Hi, so today's episode is about personality. So I thought the best way would be to start with a scenario. For example, say you're in the market for finding a lawyer. And in, like most people looking for a lawyer, you need to watch your money. So you've heard some good things about these companies providing virtual lawyer services. And you download one since it's the top-rated, friendly one that you've found. And you get started telling it about the background and the back and forth is full of jokes from a lawyer. But the jokes, they just seem off. Then you need to find some more info and you take the device down into the basement and the virtual lawyer says it's lost its network connection and just starts laughing maniacally. Maybe somebody finds this funny, but if they messed up this bad on the humor, you've got no confidence that they've got the legal part right. So you delete that one, obviously friendly was not the way to go, and you download the next one because it was rated totally professional. You start the process over, but it's taking forever. You have to go through one question at a time. The thing feels like it's reading War and Peace off of a DMV form. You find yourself getting lost in the monotony and you realize you've skipped over the most important nuance of the whole reason why you needed a lawyer. This isn't professional. This is fingernails slowly scraping a blackboard. Ugh, there's no way you're going to make it through the process and remember everything you need to. Another failure, money wasted, and you still need to talk to a lawyer. Let's make sure that doesn't happen. Today, we're covering personalities for AI. This is Design for AI, a podcast to help to define the space where machine learning intersects with UX, where we talk to experts and discuss topics around designing a better AI. The music is The Pirate and the Dancer by Roll Music. I'm your host, Mark Bailey. Let's get started. Today, we'll be discussing how to design your AI personality. We'll cover the process step-by-step for what is important and what to avoid. Now, some people associate finding the right personality with something hippie or new age, and this is not that. If you want the book answer, the personality is the distinctive tone, manner, and style in which your app will communicate. It's defined by the set of attributes, like the shape and how it will look, the sound, the feel, the right language, the tone that embodies the app and differentiates it from its competitors. Look, there's a good chance that your app and your company already have a personality. Your current website or your app design already defines the personality of the company, like color choices, type choices, UI layout, documentation, how you write your errors, that all makes up the brand. Um, Basically, it's the company's personality that will dictate the brand. So the next step is to use that personality that's up to now has just been used to create the brand and translate that over into part of training the AI. There are some companies that don't have a personality right now, and the reason being is that a lot of companies might not have defined a personality up to this point because they really haven't needed to because they've just been using templates for their site or for their app. There's a lot of templates for websites, and there's a lot of default frameworks for building widgets for apps. There just isn't a template for this yet in AI. So you're going to have to go to the trouble of creating a personality, and it has to be done on a case-by-case basis still. Really, the reason why is because the world does not need another Clippy. If you're not familiar with Clippy, uh, it was an avatar that was created to keep it light by telling jokes along with the help that it gave. The problem was that it was the brand for Microsoft Word, which is a much more corporate brand which created anger at 
a lot of unexpected behavior. The jokes and wacky interface quirks can only increase users' interest or desire to explore the application if that's what they're expecting. And that was not the case at all for Clippy. Now, with that being said, personality sells. So it will pay for itself if you get it right. People can tell when a company has enthusiasm and passion uh, for what they're doing, and that really translates through if you can do it into a personality for your AI. The tide will be turning soon enough when an AI will stick out like a sore thumb when it's bland. You know, just to follow best practices will earn you a spot in the middle of the pack. The problem being that most users will not be happy with an app that's just not terrible. So if it's important when you're hiring employees, why wouldn't it be important when you're creating an AI personality? AI-centered companies are already working on this. Uh, Google is hiring creatives to bring humor and storytelling to the human-to-machine interactions. And Microsoft's uh, Cortana writing team includes a poet, a novelist, and a playwright, and a former TV writer. Skills to build a personality can come from writers, designers, actors, comedians, playwrights, psychologists, and novelists. Not the normal job descriptions you would expect from tech companies. The integration of these skills into tech roles have sprung terms such as conversation designer, persona developer, and AI interaction designer. And we'll have a future episode about how to build up a story good. So now that we've established the need, let's go ahead and talk about the creation process for a personality. If you want some long-term planning, here's my predictions. So at some point in the future, companies will probably have many personalities that will let people choose their preferred voice and body depending on the uh, AI UI. Different personalities will become more popular, similar to material design from Google or metro design from Microsoft. This is going to lead to templatizing of a personality similar to how WordPress templates exist now. And frankly, it's only a matter of time before one company sues another company for copying their AI personality similar to how brand infringements happen today. You know, personally, I'm waiting for the days when enough UX research has been done that we know which custom AI personality works best for certain interaction modalities. So... Well, it might sound silly that the best way to find good legal information is from someone that's talking like a salty sailor, but really there's no way to know which personality can become associated with certain interaction modalities without creating one that you can use and test in use cases first. So what should you not do? Well, the biggest question to avoid is usually, shouldn't I just use my own personality or Shouldn't I use the founder's personality? So there's a couple of problems with that. In true UX fashion, I always want you to remember, you are not your customer. The ability to create a company does not always translate over well to good customer interactions for a whole variety of reasons. Another reason why this usually doesn't work is because you can't measure your own personality. Most people only associate with their positive traits, Unfortunately, there's usually a lot of blind traits that can go along with them. So how do you find the personality that works best for your users? Well, frankly, you ask them. You want to pull people and select descriptive words. 
Now, I would recommend using a standardized test uh, like Microsoft's Word Association test. It works best in this situation because it takes a whole lot of time to balance positive and negative words and making sure that all the areas are covered. So save your time and just use a standardized test for this. And also, I, so personally, I think that word associations are the easiest and they translate the fastest to move forward with. But if that doesn't sound good to you, I've also heard of other people that have successfully used Myers-Briggs to describe character traits. Uh, now, I know that it, Myers-Briggs has been debunked completely because it oversimplifies personality types, but that actually helps since it is simplifying choices that need to be made down to a smaller set. Another way that to gather the information is something called Spectrum. It's a five-factor model created by someone named Ari Zilnick. Uh, it defines the personality as a combination of openness to experience, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Now, be aware that answers usually skew towards the positive, so pay more attention to the negative feedback that you're getting. Uh, basically, you're going to be asking users to choose words that they would associate with your brand, your company, and the app if it already exists. Now, the five different areas to measure are, number one, awareness. So this is how aware is the user of the company, the product, and their needs for the product. And then the second area is consideration. So this is the perception of quality, the value of the product. Uh, it can also be a misunderstanding if they can't find the features. The next area is preferences. How do the features for your product differentiate from competitors? The next section is action. It's basically, this is the meat of the app. This is getting stuff done, you know, what your app does. And then the last section is loyalty. So will the user want to use your app again? Depending on the actions that the AI is created to help with, uh, you all might also need to test sound, haptics, visuals, AR, and VR. These can all be aspects of your interface for the user. And if anything like that exists for the current interaction, get feedback on those areas as well. Sound associations can be done by comparisons to companies that already have patented their sounds, similar to Porsche or Harley-Davidson, if you want to look into more information on that. Now, when talking to the users to get the word associations, get a really good sense of what the customer's personality is, you know, what their goals are, what stage are they at in their life, and most importantly, who do they aspire to be? This will come into play later. The next step is to run the same word association tests with internal people, but this time from the aspect of aspirations. So where are the decision makers trying to take the product? This is usually perfect since this is what PMs and stakeholders are thinking about anyways. Now comes the comparison. How are you currently perceived versus how do you want to be seen in the future? Now, take stock of the responses. How do they stack up to the expectations? You shouldn't expect the word associations to be exactly alike, but they shouldn't be too far apart either. If there is too much drift from the customer's perception, then there either needs to be a frank discussion about where your company is for product excellence, or... There needs to be a whole lot of work on the fundamentals to get them up to par. The reason you don't want to reach too far is that it comes off as untrustworthy. I mean, you are who you are, and also too far of a reach, and the chance of getting it wrong starts to skyrocket. And if you get it wrong, it's a whole lot of work that's just gotten a waste. So 
Once you have the aspirational view of how you are perceived, check the goals against what the customer's goals are. And these should also be close. A good example is to go into a teen clothing store. The employees tend to be clones of the people from the store's ads. Now, this isn't a coincidence. Stores are choosing their employees to mirror the target aspirational demographics that their customers have. So from that point of view, what would your employees look like? How do your customers align with their peers? What motivates your customers to do what they do? When you're trying to define these things, the, some of the areas of personality that will need to be defined include professional versus casual. You don't want to take all the personality out if you're going to go full professional. Also be aware that if you're going casual, informality changes for different groups or cultures. So make sure to gather information for all the markets that your product is in because the informality, what is and is not acceptable, will change for each one of those groups. And part of that is the humor level and what type of humor you want to do. You know, do you want to do a dry humor or a silly humor? Uh, the best example I can come up with why this is a difficult question is go ahead and name two comedians with the same style of humor. It just doesn't exist. Everyone has a very different style. The next area is generalist or a specialist. Are you trying to reach a conversion quickly and effectively, or is the whole bot experience crafted to engage a long-term as part of a larger creative campaign or something? The next one is to be brief or long discussions. So unless the destination is the personality, you don't want to slow down the interaction. Aim for minimal clutter and fuss. Some other areas are understated versus extroverted. Um, then there's also cautious versus, you know, it's going to go where others fear to tread. Uh, another area is individual creativity versus group consensus. Um, another area is very strong opinions versus easygoing. Now, none of the word associations ever need to be shown to the developers. Trying to paraphrase brand guidelines isn't going to happen. And frankly, it always gets reduced down to BS words like innovative and progressive. You're never going to have the brand guidelines next to you when you're writing the dialogues, and definitely developers are never going to have them next to them when they're writing the code. So it needs to be easier. If your organization was a famous person, who would it be? If you can answer this question, it'll make it a lot easier. Since you already have all the personality traits and aspirations, from your word associations, so just figure out who does it describe. Now, it can't be Stephen Fry or Barack Obama. These are not good choices. It's the equivalent of boiling everything down to the words innovative and progressive. It's just not going to help you. You want to choose a different personality for at least the five main touch points that I covered earlier. Awareness, consideration, preferences, action, and loyalty. And your app might need to be more specialized in certain areas, so the areas that might differ depending on what your needs are. Now that you know who the AI should act like in different situations, let's talk about some of the things to avoid. First, let's talk about humanness, or better titled, when to convey your bot is a bot. 
Now, most companies have a code of conduct of how employees interact with customers. I am surprised that the same companies will many times not put the same thought into the personality of their AI that is the first interaction point with their company. So right now, conversational AIs are good enough to pass off as human in some examples. For a perfect example, um, I'm going to go ahead and link in the show notes how Google wowed people at their 2018 I.O. demo of a voice interface called Google Duplex. But the very next week, the article tone changed very quickly, saying that the voice was trying to trick people, that it was too human. So now, nothing changed in that time or from the demo. It's just the what people were talking about with each other. So current culture was caught off guard by the quality of the humanness of that voice. And it's human nature to try and label something as tricky when you're caught off guard. So sooner or later, with the current tech, your AI is going to fall into the wrong side of an uncanny valley. So it's easier just to try not to claim humanness when asked. But also, don't try and deny it. Uh, In the principles of the Google Assistant personality, um, the best practices don't shut down conversation by denying humanness. Don't lie and claim preferences, stuff like that. Uh, They recommend using the Artful Dodge, and I'll go ahead and link that in the show notes as well. The next hurdle to make sure is to take into account for internationalization. Currently, for website type choices and layout, those carry over culture, so this one can actually catch some people off guard. Uh, Like we already discussed, humor doesn't cross borders very well, or even across regions of the same country. Uh, I know that in, for example, in China, they have different formats for stand-up comedy depending on which city you're in. Um, cues for informality change from different groups and cultures. An example of this is the sound that you make uh, when your brain is processing. As you can tell from this podcast, I say uh, a lot. Uh, that can depend on the region of the U.S. It can be um or ah. Uh. In China, it's nega. Putting the wrong pause word for a region in a search or when you're trying to be more casual can put you on the wrong side of the uncanny valley again. The third topic is situational awareness. For example, how does your AI act in offline versus online mode? You know, how does the interaction change when it isn't connected to a network? The level of interaction also depends on how many cognitive abilities the user has to devote to the interaction. So if you can detect if they're driving, your responses should probably be shorter. There's also a lot of complexity and nuance to this. It helps that the AI can detect more information to be able to make these decisions. What is the emotional context of how the person feels at that point? So, you know, what can you detect in the voice and the body language? And what can you know from the context of the user journey? And also, what do you know from the analytics user profile? Now, the last topic I want to cover is errors. So when the server is down or any other problems, humor makes the problem worse. People do not feel like they're being taken seriously. They will lose trust in your AI since it's not acting appropriate to the situation. Instead of humor, try to empathize. Acknowledging and validating an emotion is often enough to make the customer feel understood and release any negativity of a bad situation that can be caused by an error. 
So once you've created and implemented your personality, how do you know that it's working? Well, let's talk about testing personality success. You're trying to find out, do the decision makers select the product or services more or less based on the personality? Currently, there's a lot of counting tweets or Instagram pictures, and I would really recommend against that. It's really just, it's too hard to quantify because of the high noise. The ways that are good to measure are sentiment analysis with the AI, to measure the brand strength through qualitative and quantitative surveys, to do some AB or multivariant testing choices are good to compare against the baseline. Uh, this is also a good time to pull out the old brand values. You can get word associations from the changed personality to see how it affects word choice. And of course, keep track of your analytics for unsure answers. Does the personality help the confidence level go up for what the AI is making decisions on from the information gathered from the user? So that's all we have for this episode. If you have any questions or comments, go ahead and use your phone to record a voice memo, then email it to podcast at designforai.com. And if you'd like to see what I'm up to, you can find me on Twitter at designforai. So thank you again, and remember, with how powerful AI is, let's design it to be usable for everyone. Thank you. Thank you.